Well, good morning, Antioch, Dallas. Good morning. <laughs> so good to be with you guys today. I bring you greetings from the town over there on the, on the western side of the Metroplex. Um, I'm Jamie, like they said, and I uh, want to just, uh, if we have some pictures, just go ahead and introduce my family. First of all, this is Kim. She's my lovely bride of 36 wonderful years. And uh, we started dating at, uh, we went to South Garland High School, which is not that far from here. And uh, so uh, I'll keep going on the mic as they're tweaking that out. But the first little picture I want to show you here is of my daughter and her husband. She is uh, married to our worship pastor. And uh, so those are our two little twin granddaughters, Harper and Liv, little miracle babies. And uh, we had a three-year-old birthday party for them yesterday afternoon out in the sweltering heat. It was awesome. And uh, so it's great having them in Fort Worth. And then our son lives in Austin. And uh, he has been married now for a number of years, maybe four years or so. And that's Scarlett. She just turned one back in May. And she's incredible. We got to see, they were up for, from Austin yesterday for the, the birthday party. And so that was great. Great getting to see them. So... Uh, yeah, I'm just thankful to be here, you guys. I'm thankful for, I've loved Antioch, Dallas for a long time. And uh, going all the way back to when it was called Mercy Place years ago with Ben and Ruth Loring and then Jordan and Christy Ogden. So, uh, yeah, yeah, just, um, yeah, we grew up in this area. So I've got a heart for this. Kim and I were driving up Central Expressway just going, wow, things have changed. Which makes sense because uh, we're about to do our 40th high school reunion, so it's not surprising that things would, things would change in that amount of, amount of time. But, uh, you know, a couple things here. I've, been, I've gotten a couple texts already this morning about this word from people in Fort Worth, just about the water level rising, about uh, water coming into dry places. I literally can't believe that you just read Isaiah 55, because I'm going to be referring to that this morning. I just had chills as you were reading that. And I really do feel like I have a word. I was supposed to be here last week. You guys went underground because of the AC. It's awesome that you can do that. I love that about our churches. And, uh, but I, I really do feel like I have a word and that I want to share here. And uh, I had a lunch with a missionary from one of our missionaries that was in town a couple weeks ago. And he said, Jamie, I had a dream about you and the team here. And, and as I was listening to him talk about Fort Worth, I just wanted, I felt like it was for Dallas as well. It was like we were, he said, we were leading young people out of a flood onto higher ground. But on this higher ground, it wasn't just an immediate advance. It was waiting on the Lord and it was persevering in the Lord into what the next thing that he had for us. And I was like, you know, I need to share that with Dallas as well. It's really encouraging. And one of the things I want to just come and do today is as an, uh, I, I hate to say it, but as an older brother, <laughs> I just don't feel that way, you know, <laughs> but it's happening. It's a reality. <laughs> just need to own it. Um, but as an older brother, just to go with empathy, man, everybody, you guys, everybody, the church around the world in the last couple years, we've been through unprecedented times and the fact that you are here that you are persevering, that you are turning toward the Lord and toward each other is a big deal. Yeah. And that we're just continuing, we're going to keep going. Yeah. We're going to keep going. And there's going to be grace for all that the Lord has for us in the days ahead. And my heart here today is to encourage you. 
just thankful for you guys that have just continued to lay, Zach, Christina, you've just continued to lay your lives down and just want to say, you know, be strengthened in the Lord today and be strengthened in, in this word here. Uh, Zach had asked me to come over and I was working out our own su summer schedule. I usually take a little preaching break and uh, keep other normal hours and stuff, but there's something about preachers not preaching that allows us to get filled up because you, and if you've ever done it week after week, man, it's just always coming. And so there's something renewing and refreshing about other people, you know, preaching some. And, and uh, so I said, yes, I'll do it. Originally it was July 10th. And, um, and so Zach, real quick, texted back and said, great, we're in a series on John. You've got John 7, 1 through 52. And I was like, ah, you know, like, wow, you know, uh, John 7, let's see, uh, conflict, Pharisees, uh, tension, accusation, fun. <laughs> That's what I want to do. I want to go over to Dallas and talk about conflict and tension. And so uh, I'm kidding. And, uh, but I, I, so I went on the website, y'all's website. And I don't see Donnie, uh, just Donnie in the room right now, Tappy, uh, he's, he's outside. So I, uh, I went on the website and I just randomly picked his message as one of the most recent ones. And I was going to just kind of get a flow. Well, how are y'all setting these messages up and stuff? And we get into that. I started to listen to that message. And the dude's got like, he must have had veins the whole message. Just Jesus. And I was like getting pulled in. I was like, this is good. I'm going to keep listening. You know, I went all the way through the whole message. Super encouraged, super edified, strengthened in the Lord. And, and, and texted Zach, what's his number? I got to call him, you know. So called him and said, brother, that was awesome. Way to go, fire of God. Listen to that message if you haven't listened to it on John 5. It's just super encouraged. So I went from there to John 7. And I read through the passage again, just in a fresh way. I'm listening to the Lord. And he highlighted one phrase, three words out of John chapter 7. Come to me. You know, all who are thirsty, let all who are thirsty come to me. And so that's what I want to, you know, when the Lord speaks something in the spirit, it could be three words, you know, in the spirit, but it takes 30 minutes to get it out in English. That's kind of what I'm trying to do today. I, that's the word come to me. And so I'm calling this a fresh invitation. Today is a fresh invitation. I, and it's a word. I know it's for me. I know it's for Fort Worth. And with confidence, I really believe it's for Dallas today. Just this, this, there's a burden there. And so there's a lot happening, just a flyover of John 7. A lot happening in this passage, but a lot of it has to do with accusation. So his family is accusing him. His literal brothers are accusing him. You want to be a public figure? Go to Jerusalem. The, the crowd is accusing him. No, you're demon-possessed. The Pharisees are accusing him. You're healing on the Sabbath. All these accusations are flying around, but Jesus is is resolute. He knows where his authority is. He knows where he's from, where he's going. He knows who he is. He knows that he has the Father's authority. He knows that he has the truth and that he's speaking the truth to them. It's really powerful, clear, clarity about who he is. And then we get down to the passage that I want us to look at. John 7, verse 37 to 39. Let's look at it together. If you would stand up for the reading of the word, just to honor the reading of the word. A lot of times when we do this in Fort Worth, we say this is the word of God at the end. And then everybody says, thanks be to God. So let's give that a shot here in just a second. 
So on the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and in a loud voice said, Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. And whoever believes in me, as Scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. And by this he meant the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. And up to that time, the Spirit had not yet been given, since Jesus had not yet been glorified. This is the Word of God. Thanks be to God. Y'all have a seat. Amen. So, come to me. I wonder, who needs to hear that invitation today? Just a fresh word. Come to Jesus. Not me, to Jesus. Come to me. And that invitation, I'm telling you guys, is everywhere I turn right now. I couldn't, I, I literally couldn't believe it. Like, it's, it's everywhere I'm turning right now. A couple of months ago, we had our board of advisors meeting, and right now that's Jimmy Seibert from Antioch, Waco, and a guy named Sean Richmond from Boston. And so Jimmy comes in, it's that first day of the board of advisors time, and he stands up, I said, you know, share something. Our whole staff was gathered there together. And he said, okay, this is wild, but you know, this morning I was praying for you guys and the Lord spoke very clearly, Isaiah 55. And so he just starts unpacking that and talking to us about Isaiah 55, come and all that stuff and, and, and listen to me and, and, and your life's gonna be changed. I've got a, a covenant of love for you and I'm gonna raise up a witness who's gonna be a ruler of the peoples and you're gonna summon the nations so, and you're gonna encourage them to, to, uh, to seek the Lord while he may be found and my word's gonna go out but it's not gonna return void and all these different pieces of this incredible uh, passage from Isaiah and you're gonna go out and peace and, and be led forth and uh, go out in joy and be led forth in peace and even the creation itself is ultimately going to rejoice because you're walking in this way and that's what God's made us for Jimmy didn't go into all that I've been just been thinking about it <laughs> but but he had an encouraging word for us and so then Sean stands up and he goes you guys are not going to believe this he's just flown in from Boston he goes you know I was praying for you guys this morning and the Lord spoke to me Isaiah 55 and he starts unpacking this and I was like and it just you know whoosh, the presence of God you know and I, I stood up and I said you guys this is holy ground and so for the last couple of months we've been praying on our staff retreats Isaiah 55 I'm about to do a a, a series in August on Isaiah 55, unpacking what I'm trying to do in a message today from this one word, come to me. And it is an invitation for us as a church, as his people, to come to him. It's just powerful. We need that word. I was with my dad in the Lord, flash that picture up a couple weeks ago. His name's Don Finto. And uh, Don is 92 years old. And he is going strong. For all these years, he's told me, I mean, I, he's been a dad in the Lord to me for 30 plus years. And he's always say, Jamie, I don't want you to out-radical me for God. And not in a competitive way. He's just fiery and hungry. And so we stayed up late into the night and we were praying Isaiah 55. And we got into John 7. And we got into Revelation 21 and 22 and John 4. You know, just all these places of the invitation of God to come and drink just powerful and uh, just I, and I want that I mean I want that myself don't don't out radical me for God not in a competitive way but man let's go for it let's let's press into God let's don't stop let's keep going And this word 
is huge for us right now because there are so many things competing for the condition of our hearts. Anxieties, fears, frustrations, anger, guilt, shame, all these different things that are just big, huge knocking at the door of our hearts to come to the Lord. Just over and over, I could, there's as many people as there are uh, here, there's different situations of need. You know, why we need the Lord, why we need the brown grass of our hearts, to quote Joe there, why we need to be renewed, filled, reframed, reconstituted, reconciled, restored. Give me enough some RE words. Uh, That's the heart here, is this come to me word. If I'm going to put this in one sentence, it's this. I always try to do this, just to have a a sound bite. I'm like uh, Brian Regan when I'm writing a... It's like... (laughs) It's like, why do they put the book title on the top of every page? You know, he asked that question. It's like, am I forgetting? Oh, yeah. Now, what, what am I doing? Oh, yeah. And it actually helps me to do this main thing deals. Like, what am I saying? What am I saying? What am I saying? It's that Jesus is offering us a fresh invitation for everyone who is thirsty to come to him and to share in the life and love of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Before we jump in even deeper, I just want to say that the trajectory of our salvation is fellowship with God. It's union with God. It's communion with God. It's not just God sent Jesus to deal with the sin problem so we could go to heaven one day. It's actually so that we could be included and drawn into the fellowship of the love between the Father and the Son and their shared love and communion in the Holy Spirit. Jesus actually brings us into that place of fellowship and unity and love and beauty. I'm going to keep saying that over and over again this morning. But, you know, the thing is, When Jesus was raised from the dead, the resurrection changes everything. The disciples followed him, but then they were kind of dispersing and going their own way until he's raised from the dead, and then everything changes. He's walking with the disciples on the road to Emmaus, and he's unpacking the scriptures and all that it says about him. It changes everything. They're going one way, and they see him in the breaking of the bread. Boom! They're going another way. And from that point on, all the disciples are running to Jesus to see the revelation of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. They are running to Jesus in order to understand the Scriptures. He's the key to understanding the Scriptures. They are running to Jesus to understand their story, the story of Israel, the story of the the trajectory of where things are going in the Bible. It's through the lens of Jesus Christ who is declared with power through the resurrection from the dead to be the Son of God and to be the true King and Lord of the world. Y'all amen and stuff here, right? (laughs) That's preaching. I I think we're we're getting there. So so it's, it's just huge. They're running to Jesus now to see God. To and, and I just, you know, if you don't get anything else, I say, I say, look to Jesus in order to understand God. Okay, there is no unchrist likeness in God. Like, God is exactly like Jesus, and there's no God behind the back of Jesus that you can come up with in your own thinking besides the revelation, God's own self-revelation of himself in the person of, of the Son, 
the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the image of the invisible God. He's the radiance of the glory of God. And he reveals his relationship of love that he wants to bring us into. And it's, it's beautiful. I love to, to preach Jesus and to talk about the living Christ who reveals the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And that extra little bit of coffee that I had maybe getting to me, right? I just I said, I think I can do another inch. Woo! Okay, come to me. So let's look at this. Here's how I want to break this down. And it's an invitation. I want to zoom out, first of all, and look at the story of God. So I, was, I had my phone out this week and I went on maps. And if you squeeze down five times, you go to outer space. I didn't know that. Don't do it right now. It'll be distracting. But if you go, eh, 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 uh, uh, you're like standing there looking at the globe. And that's kind of what I want to do. I want to just zoom out and to see what God's story is. And, you know, I was supposed to come last week. And since last week, they, re they released the web uh, space telescope thing out there. I mean, talk about zooming out. Like they were showing images that were, you know, have been flying for light speed for all these, all these years. It's just mind-blowing. Look that stuff up. And worship God. Worship the Lord Jesus Christ who's holding all things together by the word of his power. We'll talk about that more in a second. But So we're zooming out. We're looking at the story. And I'll go ahead and flash that slide. So this is, uh, the, I just, this is just a framework for the, the, the narrative arc of Scripture from creation to new creation. So that's not going to be new stuff around here, I know. But, but I want to just run through, the, the just zooming out to see that God is in fact saying, come to me, come to me, come to me, come to me, come to me. And in, in fact, even before creation itself, there's a few places in Scripture where you get insight into the fact that God, even before creation, had a plan to bring us into his circle of love. You know, Ephesians 1, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who's blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight in love he predestined us for adoption to sonship think about it for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and his will it, 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 he's done that his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace which he's freely given us in the one he loves in him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins. Just, again, it's just the lavishing of His grace on us. In all wisdom, He made known to us the mystery of His will, which He purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times will have reached their fulfillment, to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. And the point I want us to get out of this is that it's all, even before the creation, God had a plan to adopt us as sons and daughters, to bring us into family, that God's a family God. He's a relational God of love. And before eternity, before, I mean, before, in eternity, before time, is God's heart of love being expressed between the Father and the Son and us in His 
mind's eye, in his desire to bring us and to create us and to bring us into this. And so the creation happens, then back to the slide, the creation happens, but we fall, you know the story, we fall. And in our blindness and brokenness, our first decision is to hide from God who loves us, but we're hiding from God. And so in our blindness, we needed somebody to come and save us, to bring us out of blindness and brokenness, to be the light that's shining into the darkness. And so, so God creates this plan. He has this plan where he comes to a man named Abram and says, through your descendants, I'm going to bless every single nation. All the peoples and people groups of the earth are going to be blessed through you and your family. And then he comes to them as they are descendants. They're taken into slavery. And he brings them out of slavery, out of bondage, through the Red Sea and into the promised land, through the wilderness. Like that we understand wilderness better right now than we used to. And he's brought us through the wilderness and into the promised land. And he says, I'm going to give you a covenant right now. Choose life. Don't choose death. If you choose death, it's going to lead to exile. But we know the story. They even rejected God as their king and said, give us a king like all the other nations. And but God comes through, the, through Nathan the prophet to King David and he says, you're going to have a son who's going to reign on the throne forever and ever. His kingdom will never, ever end. What a promise, right? And so the, the prophets keep coming. Stop the idolatry. Stop turning away from God. You're going to be exiled. And that's exactly what happens. They're exiled. The Assyrians, the Babylonians. And then there is this, still this longing, though. Even after they come back, it's like they're not back yet. Even though they're back in Jerusalem, it's like our hearts aren't free. The, the temple's not built. We haven't experienced the forgiveness and presence of God. And then, praise God, Jesus comes. God in the flesh. God in the flesh. And He takes on our humanity. And I, 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 the older I get, the more I realize I haven't thought enough about the incarnation of God in the flesh. We're going to zoom in a bit here to John in just a second and say some more about that. But He takes on not our maleness, not our, just our maleness or Middle Easternness or femaleness. He takes on our humanity. You know, the unassumed is the unredeemed is the way Irenaeus and Gregory Nazianzus would say that. Some of my Cappadocian heroes, church fathers, and so it just, it's, it's a beautiful thing that God has come in the flesh to take on humanity. And his, I'm getting ahead of myself. So, so Jesus comes and he deals he, in, his, in his vicarious life and his death, but his life too. It's his living. It's his sanctified human response to God in all things. He did it right. He was able to do what we couldn't do. He is the great mediator between God and men, representing God to man and man to God. He is the one in whom the creation, God, and man are in a person. It's just, it's mind-blowing. So what happens to him does, in fact, deal. When he dies that death, it deals with our sin. It deals with death when he's raised again. It deals with overcoming the devil. This is super... Duper good news. Um, so, so, then, uh, so then Jesus is raised and the church is born. The Spirit's poured out. And, and we are now in this unfinished chapter of the, the I don't know, uh, act of the play is a good way of saying that. And so we are 
signpost people right now that are filled with God's life and His reign, but we're looking forward to the fullness of that reign still coming. And so this is, this is me just, te- just we're, we've zoomed out and just telling the big picture story. And so we want to be people that point to the way things are going to be. This is a signpost. That point to the way things are going to be when, when there's no separation anymore. When heaven and earth are together and we've been given resurrected bodies. We want to live lives like that, that look like there's healing going to be coming in the world. That salvation is coming in fullness to the world. That, that life is coming in fullness to the world. That justice is coming in fullness to the world. And so that's the kind of people that God has called us to be. And that's the story that we find ourselves in. And we all connect to this story in different ways. That's what we're doing in the summer over in Fort Worth. We, we spent 12 weeks in the spring, the story we find ourselves in. And this summer, it's just been different people telling their testimonies of finding ourselves. What, how did I get connected to that story? And so it, it's just huge. So we zoomed out looking at God's story. Now let's zoom in a bit and look at John's gospel. So turn in your Bibles to John chapter 1, verses 1, 2, 3, 4. 14, 18. In the beginning, everybody doing okay? Okay. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through through Him, all things were made, in case you're wondering about this, and without Him, nothing was made that has been made. That's why I was saying a minute ago, He brings God humanity and the creation together in himself without him nothing was made that has been made in him was life and that life was the light of all mankind the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it so here's uh, let me keep going these other verses the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us we've seen his glory the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father full of grace and truth. Verse 18, No one has ever seen God but the one and only Son who is Himself God and is in closest relationship with the Father has made Him known. Okay, so we're zooming in a bit now from the story where God is saying, come to me, to John's Gospel where where John is going to highlight that God is saying, come to me. In fact, this creation to new creation story is exactly what John's doing all over again. Does that sound familiar? In the beginning was the Word. So this whole, it's a, it's a retelling of creation to new creation. Even Jesus as the gardener, you know, being mistaken for the gardener. It's a, it's a creation to new creation story. And so in the beginning, in our, in our ke enho lagos, is the Greek phrase, so there's no definite article, that's what I want to say there, is it's not in the beginning, it's in beginning. In a beginning that didn't really have a beginning because it was from all eternity, was the Word. And the Word was with God. And that phrase there, with God, is the phrase proston theon in Greek. And it means with, but it can also mean toward, like so... The Father and the Son are turned toward each other from all eternity. Face-to-face. In a face-to-face relationship from all eternity. That's the Word with the Father. Isn't that powerful? It's just a powerful thought. And so 
whenever we are turning to the Lord and whenever we are turning toward each other, we are expressing the relational, loving image of God. And when people get reconciled and things get made right in relationships, there's a reason why we hear the tuning fork go off. Like, oh, this is the way it should be. This is the way it ought to be. This is glorious when people get right with each other. So all of, all of that's just, uh, that's densely packed into verse 1, right? But he's, everything's in and through him. He is in, he's incarnate. He's the Word made flesh. And all of those things that I was touching on earlier, the great mediator, uh, bringing, representing God to man, representing man to God, the response that we couldn't give, he's able to do it. And the point I want to just make there right quick is that, that uh, we don't just start with Jesus and then we're thrown back on our own devices. You know, we, it's, everything is about this exchange of Jesus incarnate. Jesus becoming humanity for us, becoming a man for us. And so that uh, I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. So it's an ongoing, I'm living that way. The life I live in the flesh, I live in the faithfulness. I live by faith in the faithfulness of Jesus, the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I'm, and I'm, I keep trusting. At, I'm 50s now and... Um, didn't come through real clear. That's okay. Uh, but, uh, but, you know, you don't outgrow what I'm talking about right now. It's living in this life in faith. No matter what stage of life we're at, we're in, what stage of church life, we, we live there. And so, and John wants us to get this. He wants us to get it in this passage, the invitation, come to me. But if I were to just touch on a couple other favorite verses one would be John 14 20 on that day when the Holy Spirit comes you will realize that I am in my father that you are in me and that I am in you and I know that there's some that's a life verse for me because no matter where I go no matter what I do when I get under pressure I need to hear the word I'm with you I'm for you I've got this I can't handle it, Lord. I've got this. You know, and what Jesus wants, now getting back even to the revelation of, you know, we've done a couple of passages where it's kind of pre-creation, but in John 17, Jesus says, Father, I want them that you've given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory because you loved me before the creation of the world. If, again, here's something else. If you don't get anything else, get that the glory of God and the love of God go together. When Jesus says, I want them to see my glory, what does he say? What is that glory? Is it just that he's mind-bogglingly awesome and magnificent? Could be. But he specifically says that it's the love that's shared between the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit in that shared communion of love together. That's beautiful. I remember October 11th, 1996, I'm going to turn back to the end of John there just so I can read this verse. But October 11th, 1996, my life was changed when I read John 17, 26. I'd read it so many times, and you guys know how this works. You read a verse, and you've read it over and over again, but suddenly the light shines, the angels sing, and you're like, I've never seen this verse before in my life. And I realized on that day 
that my life was going to be changed. I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love that you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. So what blew me away was that I was going to have the Father's love for Jesus. I never had my eyes on Jesus. I, I wanted to follow Him, but I didn't know that I was going to have that kind of love, that that's His prayer, that that's right, righteous, good, true, that I would have the Father's love in me for the Son of God. Lord, would You stir that up even here today with us and in us and through us. Come, Holy Spirit, and pour out this love into our hearts that we would see. And so, I want us to zoom in one more time. We've zoomed out. We've zoomed in and looked at John's Gospel. Now let's just zoom in to these words. Come to me. Because it's, a, it's an invitation for us that all who are thirsty come to me and rivers of living water will flow from within them. As Scripture has said, rivers of, of living water will flow from within them. Lord, do it. Whoever believes in me. And so it's, you know, Jesus has done it, but it's like there's always an invitation of love and response. You know, he doesn't, he doesn't just, it's not we're like we're robots. We get to lovingly respond. Isn't that part of what a real relationship is? Is that there's a mutuality? There's a sharing? There's a participation in our union as husband and wife? It's, it's, it's a, it's a participation. It's, we, we're in this together, but it's not just me doing everything. It's, it's me doing some stuff and her doing all kinds of stuff and us participating in this love and life and relationship together. So that's Jesus' invitation is come to me. Tying all of those things. Think about how many invitations there are in Scripture. Come. When I'm lift, I could, even when you said when I'm lifted up, I will draw. You know, that we've actually been drawn by the love and wooing of God into God's own circle of knowing Himself, that we're drawn into that. That's like down on the ground in worship. It's awesome. You know, Lord, open our eyes up to this invitation that, that you're saying come to me, but you've already come. But you're inviting us into that dance. That relationship, it's, it's beautiful. The church fathers called that, that dance perichoresis. And it means uh, to dance about. That's kind of exactly what it means. But the way the church fathers defined that was intermingled life without losing distinction. You know, that we're one without losing distinction. I, marriage probably is the best way to see it. We're one but we're still people. We're distinct. And God has set things up in that order that we're one without losing... Antioch Dallas is one, but there's lots of distinct people. Our families are one, but there's distinct little people. <laughs> right? You know, our, our churches are one in the movement, but we're distinct. You know, it's not exactly the same. And that's good. And there's the church in Dallas is one, but there's distinction, you know. And, and so when you start getting that revelation, it's okay, but let's be one. Let's really be one. You know, when we sing and we worship, listen. 
Like we're singing as one, and I think sound is one of those things where we can kind of see this a little better than visually. You know, because sound, you can understand that C, E, G, C major, you know, is a chord, but you hear those individual notes. They're not gone. They're not merged, and they're not isolated. They're together. And actually, that's, that's healthy relationships. We don't over-merge with each other, and we don't isolate from each other. We are one, but we stay interconnected with appropriate boundaries to who Christina is and who Zach is and who Kim is. And that makes sense? But that's the image of God, right? And he's saying, come to me. Come to me. <sighs> to say Jesus Christ, the Son of God, is to say something mind-blowing. When we say Christ, we're saying the Anointed One in the Holy Spirit. So to say Jesus Christ, the Son of God, is to say Jesus, the Eternal Son of God, and the Eternal Father in their shared love and communion together in the Holy Spirit. That's what we're saying. When we proclaim Jesus and the One who's inviting us to drink this living water, to come into this relationship, I mean, even, even what John says there, he says, by this, he meant the Spirit whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Again, what did they do? They went running to Jesus to understand all the things that he had said, because now he's the resurrected Lord, and like, wow, the Spirit was poured out. Wow, we all do have living water flowing from within us. Wow, we get to know him and practice intimacy and fellowship. Wow. And it is a practice, just by the way. That's why Brother Lawrence is so famous, right? The practice of the presence of God. Um, nobody does it perfectly, but we were made in the image of this God who is relational and loving and had a plan for us from before creation. And we're all coming in here just practically. I'll just land the plane here. Um, um, Thankful for AC. I'm not a hanky kind of guy, but I could do it today. Um, uh, but just practically, we're coming in here with all kinds of needs. And I'm, I'm not trying to be prophetic, and, but it, that's the truth. And uh, Kim and I are coming in with needs today. We are in process, right? All of us. And so this word to come to Jesus is a word to come and be filled, come to overcome, come to receive, come to uh, turn toward, come for the anxieties to receive peace, come for the despair to receive hope, come for the discouragement to be edified and built up in the faith and know that he is, it, he's done it, but he's still knocking graciously at the doors of our hearts, right? That's what he does. You know, I was back at the beginning of this year, I was going through a, a hard time and I was, I just, I was uh, pretty bummed. I was feeling empty. I, I know I shouldn't do that, but I, I was just, it's where I was at, you know, I felt pretty broken about some stuff and I was journaling and, uh, and I really just suddenly, you know, when you just Something catches you off guard, but you know it's got. You know it's the Lord, and the the question I heard it wasn't that God didn't know the answer. 
He's asking so that I would listen. Um, but the question I heard was, can your emptiness outlast my fullness? And I just, it, it was arresting to me. And it has been all of this year. Can your emptiness outlast my fullness? It's a rhetorical question because he is indeed uh, the, the God of the rivers of living water, the nonstop, never-ending Niagara of the love of God that's constantly and eternally pouring outward so that He is creating and sending the Son and the Spirit into bringing us into this overflowing, nonstop, never-ending waterfall of His love. Can your emptiness outlast my fullness? And I got in this conversation with the Lord and started asking these other questions. It was just kind of a dialogue. Can your resistance outlast my pursuit? Can your guilt outlast my forgiveness? Can your shame outlast my mercy? Can your wounds outlast my healing? Can your discouragement outlast my hope? Can your pain outlast my love? And then I wrote out in parentheses, can anything outlast His love for us? Can your bondage outlast my deliverance? I know we, no, it's not an amen question, like woo, <laughs> but it's the truth. He's come to set us free. He's come to set us free. Can your anxiety outlast my peace? Can your darkness outlast my light? Can your delusion outlast my truth? And then at the end, I, I just, it was like the Lord said, what do you believe believed happened in the sending of my son? And just let that settle for a second. What do you believe happened in the sending of the son? How fully and completely has he dealt with the dilemma of humanity? Right? I mean, it's, it's good news. It's super good news. And though we might be enemies in our minds, that's not God's heart to us. His heart to us from all eternity is love. He's a father. You know, Jesus comes and reveals that God is our father. It's only 15 times in the Old Testament, but it's over 100 times in John's gospel alone that he's father. And so I, I've thought about this a lot of times. Just I, There's been times in my past where I've thought worse about God than I would think about myself as a father. And that's terribly misconstrued to think that I'm a better father or more loving than my heavenly father. Somebody out there? And what happens here in this, what do you think happened? You know, I, I'm realizing that we are desiring people. You know, and I'm asking this question, you know, preaching, come to me, all you who are thirsty. But if you don't know you're thirsty, it's kind of, you, you won't be as motivated to come to the Lord as that all-satisfying fountain, the overflowing, eternal fountain of love and goodness and life and wholeness and holiness. So our desires are huge. If my desires get misplaced, it can lead me down all kinds of crazy paths. Anybody ever? I haven't shared my testimony, but I've got a crazy testimony of meeting the Lord out of cocaine addiction. And I really met the Lord. And He became the treasure 
of my life that really did become the greater desire than the stuff I was doing. So desire is like, you know, and the good thing is your desires can change. You don't have to keep walking in the same bondage, the same addiction, the same junk, the same stuff. But it, it, it does involve knowing that you're thirsty. Are you thirsty? Let all who are thirsty come to me, the Lord says. I'll finish with this quote, and then we're going to respond in some ministry here. But uh, just this is a quote from C.S. Lewis. Got any Lewis fans out there? So this is from The Weight of Glory. And uh, he says, It would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered to us. Like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in the slums because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea. We are far too easily pleased. And so the Lord is calling us in a fresh way to the, the all-satisfying drink of God's life and love and Holy Spirit and the, the rivers of living water. It's... Uh, and our mental image, though, you guys, is Jesus. See Him calling you. See Him inviting you into this shared love and communion with the Spirit. I do want to say here that He loves us. He loves you. He loves me. And I just, again, Joe, I just want to say amen. I just feel like I needed to hear what you had to say. I needed to hear that encouragement. And you know, years ago, I, I remember world mandate after world mandate. I've been to 23 straight world mandates in Waco, but we're doing our own in February over in Fort Worth. Excited about that. Um, got a building where we can do that now. Just uh, praise the Lord. Um, but I'd hear Floyd McClung. Anybody remember Floyd McClung? And he would, every time he would stand up and say, hi, I'm Floyd, and smile, real he's like 6'8", you know, he's only, only a couple guys, I'm 6'4", that I get to hug like this, you know, and he's one of them with the Lord now. But he would say, stand up and say, I'm Floyd McClung, I love Jesus, and every morning I have to hear my father tell me how much he loves me. And I was like, ooh, that's good. I just remember doing this about three or four years in a row, like, oh, good, yeah, i got to say my father loves you, he loves me. And, but finally I realized if Floyd's having to do this, do I need to do this too? Do I need to wake up and hear my father say that he loves me? And I do. I'm quickly making mud pies, distracted, off on something that's a good thing, could be a good thing, but I've let it get out of line in my life. That's, and that's when it becomes an idol, right? So, Lord, help us today, right here, this word, come to me. For anyone that needs to hear that, in the name of Jesus, amen. If you would stand up, worship team, come on up. And if I could get the, uh, the prayer team, the ministry team, the leaders, whoever that is, to come up as well. I, just, I, just, I, I want us to respond to the Lord here for just a few minutes. And to hear the invitation he, that he's beckoning. He's saying, come, come to me. He's come for us. He's come to make things right. But He's saying, come to me. I want your heart to say yes. I want your desires to say yes in this process. 
It could be that you've never said yes to the Lord, and He's saying, come to me. Start that relationship with Him today. And it could be that you've been away from the Lord, and He's still saying, come to me. He's always saying, come to me. I'm with you. I want you to see me. I want you to walk in the light and in the truth. And, but in coming over here, you guys, I, even when we were talking, I was talking with Zach this last week, I was like, oh, I feel like there's still a burden for me to come. And that is that we all need this word. I need it in a fresh way. It's good for my soul to preach it. I'm preaching to me and I'm preaching to you. And if you've ever delivered a word, you know you have to live in it to actually be able to share it with some conviction. And uh, so, Lord, help us. Help us to come to you by the power of your spirit today. Put that desire in our hearts. And the promise is that whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is removed and we get to see him and seeing him is knowing him and knowing him is life. So just uh, whatever, wherever that's hitting you, wherever that's landing, would you just respond? Come and get prayer. Um, You know, if if these folks get engaged with prayer, then pray with somebody that's beside you that you came with. But let's engage. And especially, if you have some kind of prayer need, don't leave without getting help. Just getting some, somebody to pray for you. Father, meet us here in this time. I just pray that every heart would be responding to the Word of the living God, to the Word of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Come to me. All you who are thirsty, come to me. Let's respond to the Lord, you guys. Let's go for it. Meet us, Lord, today.